This is Environmental Voices Rising Women at the Mic, a podcast that celebrates women who are leading change makers in tackling the challenges of climate change. I'm your host, Michael Crawford Zimmering, and I invite you to join us for inspiring conversations about the innovative solutions these women are bringing to the table. By sharing their stories, we aim to inspire and motivate you to take action. You don't need to be an environmentalist to be part of the solution. Begin by being informed. Join us for today's conversation. I am pleased and excited to introduce my guest today, Sharona Schneider, who is a young climate activist and founder of Tuesdays for Trash, which started out as a small local grassroots project, which she and a friend organized during the pandemic. Highlighting the global issue of trash and waste, Tuesdays for Trash educates and mobilizes communities and individuals to participate in cleanup ventures, creating opportunities for everyone to be part of the solution for a clean environment. By utilizing social media, Tuesdays for Trash is now a global movement with 11 chapters in 31 countries. Sharona is a Nigerian-Israeli activist born in Lagos, Nigeria, who spent formative years in Portland, Oregon, and is now living in Israel. Her perspective is truly unique and global. Sharona, welcome to Environmental Voices Rising Women at the Mic. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Sharona, before we hear all about Tuesdays for Trash, I'd like to ask you about your personal passion for climate activism. I read that you were inspired by Greta Thunberg. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I grew up in Nigeria. I lived there till I was eight years old. And growing up in that environment, sustainability was a survival mechanism for a lot of like my lifestyle and the way that my community organized. So I would say that when I was growing up in that environment, that's how I really like started becoming an activist, even though I didn't realize it. And moving to the States in America, it was definitely a big culture shock just seeing how wasteful everyone was and how the culture was really centered around consumerism. Um, And it's something that I never really adapted to. And I really recognized the value in being able to preserve my things and being conscious about what I was purchasing and making things last a long time instead of just replacing appliances and things when the newest item came out or product came out. And obviously, when I started seeing uh, the news about Greta and the work that she was doing and what she was raising awareness for, I was really terrified um, to hear the numbers and the statistics and to really relate to what she was saying and being scared for her future and wanting world leaders to take action and treat the crisis like the emergency was. Um, so yeah, after hearing her talk to the UN in 2018, I think it was, um, it really sparked like the activist sort of mindset in me. And I started doing a lot more, taking small steps, trying to be more sustainable um, as an individual, and then vocalizing around the climate movement and trying to get other people involved. I can hear that in your story. Hearing Greta reconnected you to something that you already intuitively knew from growing up. And I also like that you looked at and checked out the numbers. Good for you. Let's go on to Tuesdays for Trash. Here you are in Portland, Oregon, going to school, and then there's the pandemic. Tell us how you got Tuesdays for Trash started. Yeah, Tuesdays for Trash was really just 
something that I started with a friend of mine is a way to get back outside during the pandemic. Like I had just begun becoming, I guess you would say, an activist, volunteering, working with the Environmental Protection Agency. Um, and all of a sudden, everything shut down. And I felt like I was making so much progress and my work was being seen, my voice was being heard, and I didn't want to stop. So I tried to think of the simplest, easiest thing I could do and how I could mobilize other people in my community. And that's really what got Tuesdays for Trash going. I think it was the perfect timing because people were looking for an excuse to get outside. It was something we could all do sustainably and like safely, wearing masks and gloves and socially distancing. Luckily, but also unluckily, trash is something that can be found anywhere, everywhere in the world. So anyone could participate. And that's really why we began Tuesdays for Trash, like looking for something super simple and easy that could connect people with their surrounding environment and show how easy it is to take action and be a part of the solution to a global crisis like the trash and garbage problem. This is really good. I think you've hooked into something that can quickly engage people. People are looking for something to do, something simple and something that makes a difference. And I actually decided to do it myself. When I went out to the library, which happened to be on a Tuesday, and I was wondering if I would find any trash. And sure enough, as soon as I parked my car and I got out and I saw some trash right there on the green space. So I picked it up and took a picture and I'll post it on my social media, which is what you want people to do. Tell us how you leveraged social media to grow Tuesdays for Trash. So really, we modeled it off of Greta Thunberg's Fridays for Future movement. As you know, Greta has always been my inspiration. So I tried to think, like, how did she start her movement? Like, what were the steps she took? How did she make it a global thing? For her, it really was just posting about it on her social media consistently, like creating a name for it and then encouraging people to join her. So that's exactly what we did. We thought of a name, Tuesdays for Trash, because we had done it on a Tuesday and we're picking up trash. And we, like, made a super simple ask, created a social media page for it, hashtag for it, and encouraged our friends directly and also through social media to join us we to our surprise like grew to I think six continents in maybe three weeks and it was just really because we made it such a simple and easy thing and we really made the messaging clear like you're going on a walk outside anyways might as well do it with intention and like pay attention to your surroundings and like you know take those little steps and little actions that when everybody comes together to do it. It makes a really global, scalable, and meaningful impact. And so participating with Tuesdays for Trash is really as simple as dedicating time every week to cleaning up in your community. And it can be on the routes that you take anyway, whether it's on your way to work, if you're at a park with friends, like clean up the park before you have your picnic or hangout. And just like intentionally thinking about the ways that you can impact your community and your environment in a positive way. I really like how easy Tuesdays for Trash is and how you how you created it to be really easy like that. It's, it's like something you can do by yourself, like I did, or with more intention and with friends, just go out and clean a, a green space, a beach or a sidewalk on your way to work. What do people do after they've collected the trash? Do they just drop it in a bin? Usually, yeah. And the reason is, like, obviously, we would encourage people to recycle. But for the most part, if you're picking it up, it's usually not something that's recyclable, whether it's too damaged or like, it just wouldn't be processed properly. Also, recycling on a global level doesn't really work. There have been a lot of studies that show that 90% of things that you put in the recycling don't actually get recycled. It usually just ends up in the landfill. And it's because there has to be an industry for recycled materials to be effective. Um, and most of the time, manufacturers would rather purchase virgin plastic because it's cheaper and more durable than recycled material, unfortunately. So for right now, we are definitely looking at 
finding partners where we can ship the trash or like in the communities where we have chapters organize big cleanups where it goes to something that can be upcycled but currently the point of the movement is to really mobilize people so get them to take action and also education like understanding like what kinds of things are being trashed in your community what companies are creating the trash and how you can speak more about the issue in your community Yes, I agree. There is a big deception around recycling with industries trying to get you to believe that recycling is actually working when in fact very little is being recycled and industries just want you to buy more stuff. Can you tell us about some of the experiences from your chapters, how trash pickup actually is going? I saw that you also use biobags. Can you tell us about that? The chapter in Tel Aviv, we mostly use those because those are the ones that I have access to and I prefer to use because it's definitely better than using plastic. But most of our chapters are based in the States. We also have chapters in Turkey, Canada, Kenya, Jordan, and we're continuously expanding every year and definitely open to people like asking us to start chapters in their communities. It's one of our favorite things to see it grow in that way. The craziest thing I would say about these chapters is just really seeing over the years how the trash issue changes and gets better. And right now in Tel Aviv, even we're finding it hard to find beaches that need cleaning because on a visual level, like it actually is starting to look a lot cleaner. And I think it's because um, the less trash there is in a place, people are less inclined to litter it. I think they feel more guilty. Whereas if a place was already trash and there's already a lot of litter, like they don't feel ashamed to add to the problem. So it's really cool that like our beaches are getting a lot cleaner and now we're having to find different places that we can clean like the parks or the streets. Well, that's really encouraging. I read that you are planning on pursuing a career in waste management and maybe working with the Environmental Protection Agency. So with your experience picking up trash around the world, you've been really successful with this on local levels. What would you say to governments, municipalities, and industries to get them to change their attitudes and encourage them to do more? You've been really successful with grassroots organizing, but wanting to take this issue up to higher levels, what do you think to support, say, attitudes towards stewardship instead of disposal? I think that for me, what's really frustrating is that waste and trash is one of the easiest things, at least when it comes to climate, that governments and municipalities can tackle because it's really about updating the systems that are already in place. A lot of them haven't been updated in over a decade. And the society and also the landscape of like waste management has changed a lot over the years. It's grown very quickly, and that can be hard to manage when systems are not in place that are actually up to date. So I think really prioritizing it because not only does it like keep the community looking clean and nice and like obviously that boosts people's mental health, well-being, but it's also about the health of the community because if a community is trashed consistently, then it brings in a lot of rodents and diseases and it's very expensive to clean up trash. I think people don't realize how much goes into cleaning up trash and all of that money can be diverted to things that are more useful and valuable to the community, whether it's public transportation, education. So really like emphasizing to world leaders and like local government that this is a crisis worth tackling and listening to the community and the local citizens um, on what the problems are, where they can start, like what is really needed to make the situation better. 
There are some key points that you've made there, like updating the systems, being aware of the public health issues. The same way that you made Tuesdays for Trash easy for individuals to get involved and work on a local level, I think you could use that same kind of pitch for governments and municipalities to mobilize finances and resources to clean up on a larger scale. I know you've spoken a lot about stewardship and sustainability using your experiences from your early childhood in Nigeria. And I think you're really connecting into them what you're doing now. Well, here I'm, I'm drawing on your life experience because I think this is a great gifts that you have. I also like that you're inspired by the Jewish concept of tikkun olam, which refers to various forms of actions that are intended to repair or improve the world. And now you're living in Israel. Could you tell us how you envision expanding from this concept going forward with your work? The first thing, you know, moving here to Israel is I wanted to learn more about my culture and my heritage because growing up in the States and, of course, in Africa, I didn't really have a lot of exposure to that. And the more I learned, the more I really, like, connects to the values that we have as Jewish people and wanting to make sure that this home and this land is something that can be passed down to generations and that we can be proud of. And I think that it's really unfortunate a lot of people in the society here in Israel don't have the proper education on the impact that the climate crisis is having in the region or the impact of trash and waste, especially in the Mediterranean. The coast of Israel in the Mediterranean is one of the most polluted in the entire sea from microplastic. It's really detrimental to a lot of the fragile ecosystems that we have. So having more awareness, more mobilization, more action, more legislation that helps prevent this issue from getting worse is really important. And I think my goal is really to get more connected and start pitching climate legislation in our Knesset because at the end of the day, if the businesses and manufacturers don't have the consequences for continuing the pollution that they're creating, then we'll see the problem, unfortunately, not get addressed in the way that it needs to be. Absolutely. I think you're spot on with that. There's something else that you've talked about, and it comes with a message that cuts deeply into the eco-anxiety, which is quite prevalent. You've written or said that you feel like you belong on the planet. How were you able to resource yourself to be able to make that choice, to feel and know you are connected to the earth? Because a lot of people don't feel that way. They feel like they don't belong. This is a very powerful position that you're operating from. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think for me, I've always been someone who thinks very forward and is very proactive. And I, you know, when I was in school and in college, I always was thinking about what my future is going to look like, planning towards that. For me, it was really hard to think about a future when I was hearing all of these really scary numbers about what scientists predicted would happen to our planet and to our atmosphere in the next like six to seven years if nothing was done about the crisis. And so that was really motivating for me because I saw myself as, you know, a human being in the world. And growing up in Africa, a lot of the things that I did were outside. Like, I think I've always been someone who loves to play outside, loves to be outside. Like, I really value what the world has provided me and my family and the people that I love. And I I think what's unique about my experience is that I have always known from a young age that resources are scarce. And, you know, I witnessed like really extreme weather events growing up in Nigeria, whether it's flooding or extreme drought. And I think that having that induction at such a young age is not something that a lot of people have. A lot of people are more privileged and don't have to face those realities. 
But for me, facing those realities, knowing it's getting worse, and then being at a point where I have the opportunity to speak up and change things has always been really motivating for me and why I think that I connect so deeply with my environment. I, I understand what my place is in the world around me, and I want to make sure that other people feel seen and safe and part of this ecosystem. That was so beautiful. Thank you. So now that you're in Israel, tell us about the climate activism organizations that you've been able to connect with and how things are going on that front. Yeah, when I first got here, the first thing in terms of like partnerships and organizations I got involved with was the Strike for Future organization. And it was kind of funny because a lot of the, the people in the movement here are very, very young. I was, I think, like 20 at the time, and they looked at me as kind of this old lady, like I didn't really fit in with them, but they were the most active, most passionate, and I really wanted to learn from them the situation in the country, get involved, and they taught me a lot. And I think that that's always been my approach is like really trying to listen and support and like be a body in the movement before I start trying to push my own agenda or like be a voice of my own. So we've been able to collaborate a lot with these youth organizations and all of the other really established organizations in the country. And I think the main thing I'm focusing on is trying to get more representation because I recently joined the President's Climate Forum. And unfortunately, there is very, very little representation of people of color and also of youth. And it's really important to have those kinds of people in the room when decisions are being made that are directly affecting our future. So trying to work towards that. I want to give you an opportunity to promote Tuesdays for Trash. But before going there, there's one more thing. I saw on your website page, self-care for activists, with the quote from Susie Moser, burnt out people aren't equipped to serve a burning planet. So the well-being of our hearts and souls must be reestablished to their rightful place as relevant, essential. This is so cool. Tell us how you came to this and why it's so important to take care of ourselves while we are taking care of the planet. Well, I think really it stemmed from experience. Like a lot of activists go through this phase of burnout because we are so passionate and we try and do so many things at once and there's so much help that is needed. But it's really, really hard to do on your own and try and, you know, carry the weight of the world, which is also very traumatic. I think like being constantly surrounded by all of this doom and gloom and the suffering that is happening around the world. But really, like the reason we developed that activist workbook and trying to focus more on self-care is the community of Tuesdays for Trash. We have our COO, Chief Operating Officer, Alina, who is based in Vienna, and she came up with the workbook herself. And we just allowed Tuesdays for Trash to be the platform to promote it because obviously it's very relevant to our community and I really encourage everyone in the Jesus for Trash team to have their voice heard and like have their passions creativity whatever it may be shown and supported through the platform of the movement because what we're trying to do is educate people but also keep them going so it's a really great resource to help current activists future activists or people who are just generally curious understand how they can be a part of this movement and not get burnt out. Now I want to give you a chance to say whatever else you would like to say about Tuesdays for Trash, promote it for the audience, and also tell us about the kinds of resources that you have available. Yeah, definitely. So Tuesdays for Trash, it would be nothing without the community and the people that participate. And even though I founded the movement, I think it's really grown beyond me, which is super cool to see. And that even if I wasn't doing Tuesdays for Trash every week, um, I think people would still do it around the world. And so we are really proud of the community that we've built. 
and we really rely on community to keep the movement going. So whether it's like telling your friends, encouraging like groups that you're already involved with, um, every organization I've ever been in, I've organized the Tuesdays for Trash with, and it's really super easy because people love the idea of giving back to their community directly. Um, it's a really super easy action and gets people outside. It's therapeutic. It's exercise, and it's really fun when you get to hang out with your friends or um, your colleagues and maybe do something special afterwards, like you know, get ice cream, watch the sunset. It can be whatever you want it to be. And I think what I would really love to encourage people in terms of the resources we have is like email us, you know, we have um, obviously the activist workbook, but we also have a lot of cool opportunities that come through our network for future aspiring climate activists or people already in the activist movement, but don't really have the resources to attend conferences and different things like that. We're also always working on education in really simple, easy terms that people can understand. If you look at our social media, you'll see there's a lot of memes and things that are funny and entertaining, but also tell the story of what's going on around the world. And that's something we love to do is being storytellers in a way that is accessible for the public. Well, this has been awesome and fantastic. And for those of you in the audience who have been bemoaning the scope of the climate change challenge, you need to find some way to pick up a bucket, or in this case, pick up some trash. Take a picture, post it on social media, or just tell your friends. Don't know where to start? Start with Tuesdays for Trash. Here is an opportunity for you to do something. Sharona, I always like to ask my guests if there is an, another a woman or a woman who inspire you or who have inspired you? Could you please share with us? I would say for me, Wawa Gatharu, she is the founder of Black Girl Environmentalists. It's also a global movement, and it's just been super cool to see her being able to bring more representation to the movement through her organization. And I think it's really critical work, and she's just a really inspiring person. And you can tell all the work and things that she says is very genuine, and it comes from a place of experience and need. So definitely her. And with that, we conclude another inspiring episode of Environmental Voices Rising Women at the Mic. We're immensely grateful to our guests who have shared their expertise, insights, and passions. Remember, it's through collaboration and collective action that we can drive meaningful change. Let's continue to support and uplift each other on this journey towards a sustainable future. Because we are not planning on Mars as our next destination. Right here on planet Earth, there is a lot to be done. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to hearing more stories from these women working on climate change solutions. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are a 501c3 and gratefully accept your donations to keep us going. Remember, stay passionate and keep envisioning a better world. Until next time...